talking about prayer today because I want to just call you again to pray. I believe that that's where God meets us. I believe that's where God does incredible things. In fact, it's obvious from reading history that if you see a movement of God, it started with people praying. And today I want to encourage you to pray correctly, to pray like we should. The Bible gives us instruction on how we should pray. And I'd like to take you to a passage in just a moment. I'm going to look at John 14, and then I'll go over to John 16. And today, I'm going to be brief about it. I know some of you think I can't do that, but since we're doing the Lord's Supper today, and we've got our kids in here, we're going to be a little briefer about things today. And I'll kind of share with you a shorter message. But listen, in 2001, there was a shift that started happening in our nation. The reason I can document that shift is because our nation previously was very supportive of several Christian ideologies, several Christian and Judeo-biblical type values, and when we voted as a nation, it was very clear-cut that these things were still, there was a majority of people voting in Christ-like ways about these topics. There was a shift there. What happened And one of the first notable things that happened, and eventually he wrote a book on this, is Billy Graham, for six presidents in a row here in the United States, had been invited to come, and kind of he's kind of been like a counselor, a mentor. Uh, Of course, you know, he is uh, no longer on the scene, but in 2001, he was starting to decline in his health, and he was quite sick then. And he asked if instead of him coming to pray at the inauguration of then-President Bush, uh, here from Texas, uh, could, could his son come in his stead? He just, he just could not come. Now, little did they know what was going to happen as a result of that. Something Billy Graham had done at every single inauguration of every president for the six prior presidents he had prayed over at their inauguration When Franklin Graham got to the end of his prayer, here's what he prayed. And he prayed these words. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Lord Jesus Christ and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The next day, the media went crazy. The media went crazy. In fact, one article that I pulled from uh, is out of the L.A. Times and it was just quoting an opinion piece, but this was just typical. I mean, it just went crazy. And here's what was said. I can't believe that the very first act of this new administration was to have a Protestant evangelical minister officially dedicate the inauguration to Jesus Christ, who was declared to be the Savior of us all, invoking the Father, the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Billy Graham's son, the man that was selected to do the prayer for the inauguration, blessed his presidency, but he excluded tens of millions of Americans who are Muslims, Jews, Buddhists, Shindalists, Unitarians, agnostic, and atheists from his blessing. And that's what we have now in our nation. Well, that went on for days. I don't know if you remember that. It was 2001. In fact, it wasn't long before. It was January. But later that year, we had something that really woke us up, didn't we? 9-11. Now, I say that because you can map this shift in our nation 
back to that period of time. And it's not better, folks. It's worse. Go on a talk show or you get in a public setting and say that the only path to God is Jesus Christ, God's Son, which is a biblically clear statement, and you will be harangued. You will be mocked. You will be called a bigot. You will be called many things, but you won't be called anything good. Believe me. I've been there. I made a statement not too many years ago, and I got harangued for weeks and weeks into months because I said Jesus Christ is the only way to God. That, it, that Jesus said that his, his the exclusive path, he summed it up in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one, not any other religion, comes to the Father except through me. And boy, I took some licks for that. I really did back when. Listen, I want to just call you to something else this morning. In the book of John, chapter 14, and then again in chapter 16, I want to share with you two passages. Listen to these. He says, I will do, I'm in John 14, verse 13 and 14. I'm reading from the NIV. It says, I will do whatever you ask, and look at the phrase, in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Wow. Listen to John 16, verse 23. I'm jumping two chapters over. Listen to this. In that day you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. How many of you believe those two passages? You can show your hand if you want to, okay? All right. If you don't show your hand, shame on you. Listen, we have instruction that we should enter into prayer in this intimate fashion where God, through Jesus, tells us to pray to our Heavenly Father, right? And that we can call Him Abba Father, this intimate Dada term uh, in that uh, original text, that we can talk to God like that, the Creator of the universe. We can come to Him as our Heavenly Father, and He instructs us to pray like this on a daily basis, not to just say a, 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 a prayer of repetition, but to pray these things every day in our life. And then Jesus comes and says, now I'm, I'm wrapping up my ministry. Let me tell you something. I haven't told you this before, but I'm telling you now, you need to ask what you ask the Father in my name. We have so much that we can say about that great truth. Let's pray together. Father, teach us in these few moments. Let us see what the purpose of this is and why we need to pray like this. And Lord, help us to be biblical in our prayer life, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So what's the purpose of this prayer, praying like this? Why should we pray like this, where we address the Father, but we also say in Jesus' name. Why is that such a big deal? Well, I want you to see that the Scripture, and you need to understand this is not some hocus-pocus. It's not finding Jesus is the genie in the bottle on the beach when you're walking the beach, and wow, you pop the genie out, and he says, just ask this in my name, and you've got it. That's not what we're talking about. This is praying in a biblical fashion about how we should pray and what we should pray even for. And so Jesus says, and here's some things that you should remember 
in talking about this very thing. You say, here's what we should remember. When we pray in Jesus' name, here's what I'm doing. I'm not coming in the, the righteous life of Barry Jude. The Bible tells us that we should live godly lives. Amen? In fact, the Bible tells us in the book of James, so we just make this abundantly clear, it says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So somebody that will live out the gospel and not just talk about the gospel, that's a powerful individual in the kingdom of God and his prayer life is powerful. Ladies, same thing. If a woman will live a righteous life, the Bible says there's great power in that, right? Because you're living a life that's in agreement with what God wants in our life. But here's the reality. I can't be righteous enough to earn God's favor, can I? Here's the reality. I need the authority of Jesus Christ who died, bled, and died on the cross for my sin so that I could have him cover my sin and now I can do what Hebrews chapter 4 tells me. I can go to the throne of grace. I can go to God in prayer with boldness because I'm praying not in the authority of Barry Jude, not in a righteous life of Barry Jude. I'm praying in the name of Jesus, the Son of the living God, who died for my sins, covered my sins with his blood, and then rose again the third day to give you life. So I speak my prayer in the authority of God's very own name, in the name of Jesus. It should not offend people when you're a Christian and you're praying as you're instructed biblically to pray. But in our culture today, that's taboo, isn't it? I just talked to people after the first service, and they were going to military functions where they heard people pray. They said good things, the chaplains, but in the prayer, it ended with a generic amen. There was no in Jesus' name, and they were talking about how much that bothered them. Because that's what our culture's coming to. They're trying to pressure the church to not be the church. They're trying to get us to not do what God has said, do this. He'll bless. He'll honor. I pray in Jesus' name because I have no authority to pray in my own name. I have no authority to go in the name of some other God, do I? You see, I understand that where they're coming from with the generic principle, but I'm specified Jesus follower. So are you. You are called to follow Christ. Be bold. Be strong. And young people, while you're at school and there's all kinds of pressures for you to be quiet, don't be quiet. Just speak, speak the truth. Speak the truth in love, but speak the truth. And when I pray a prayer, I'm telling you, it's going to be in Jesus' name because I have no other authority to go to. When I was 15 years old, he covered my sin and made a path for me to talk to God the Father. Now, you can find stories in Scripture just like Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 where Cornelius is in that in-between stage where they're going from Judaism and the Old Testament covenant and New Testament covenant and it's still just not wide known what this teaching about Jesus is. And Cornelius has two things that are said about him why God heard his prayer. He was a very devout, God-fearing man, and he gave great gifts, like much of what he had, to the poor. God said because of that, he heard his prayer. Now, I come as a Christian, 
and I know what the Bible says about praying in Jesus' name, I'm not excused from that. God doesn't wink at my prayers if I don't do that because I'm a Christ follower. So are you. And if I pray in Jesus' name, it's in His authority, isn't it? I'm coming in the authority of Almighty God. We come in His authority, don't we? Until now, you haven't asked for anything in my name. So what is the big deal? This isn't, like I said, the genie in the bottle, and you pop it out, and Jesus comes out and says, hey, pray in my name, and I'll give you anything. That's not what's going on here, is it? It's way beyond that. He tells us that he's telling us this so that we understand I'm coming in his authority. Now look what else it says. We don't deserve to come to God in our own, but Jesus says when you do come and pray, tell the Father that Jesus sent you. Amen? He sent you. You're doing this in his name, in his power, his authority. Jesus sent you to say in this prayer, in Jesus' name. What I'm asking, I'm not asking just on my behalf, I'm asking on His behalf and His his authority. And that's something we're called to do. Now, the Bible tells us that we need to pray in Jesus' name. Amen? You all get that, right? So here's some things and principles. Like I said, I'm going to be really brief about it today, so i got, I got to wind down. Okay? i got to wrap up. Because I I just want to get this to you, and the Lord's table is our main thing today. That's what we're doing. But I want to give you this instruction about prayer, that you need to pray in Jesus' name. So here's some things I want to leave with you. Sometimes we pray for things and for some reasons, and we don't get what we pray for. So what's the deal? Well, first, God will never honor if you're asking for things out of a selfish motive. You can forget it, right? You can actually forget that. Scripture tells us that God always has our best interest at heart. He has our best interest at heart, doesn't he? And here's some things that we need to remember. The Scriptures, and we covered this last week and a little bit of two weeks before that, but God answers our prayers as yes. He answers our prayers as no. I've had God flat out tell me no at times. You need to come to that as a reality. You can't be a spoiled child in the kingdom of God and cry and cry and cry and demand your way because the answer is still no. If it's no, it's no. And there's times that God says, wait. And then I love, I just love what Brian McCutcheon said. He said, God answers our prayers in four ways. Yes, no, wait a while, and are you kidding me? You think you ever said a prayer that maybe God said, are you kidding me? Are you, was that even serious? Did you mean that? And it may have been, I thought that was funny. I thought, man, that's a, that's a good one to throw in there today. Let me just share with you some things, and I just want to wrap it up with this. Praying in Jesus' name. Here's some praying in Jesus' name thoughts I want to leave you with. Number one. Constantly remind yourself that if it wasn't for Jesus, your prayers wouldn't go anywhere. Your prayers wouldn't go anywhere. Remind yourself when you're praying, you're doing this to God the Father. We've been instructed by Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, pray this way every day. Not that you just repeat that prayer, but these are things you pray about on a daily basis. He also goes on to say, that we just have that to remember. Constantly remind yourself that if it wasn't for Jesus, your prayers wouldn't go anywhere. Number two, come to the Father in a humble fashion, presenting the credentials of Jesus as your past to the Father. 
Now, this morning, I went by the desk out there, and Jean Carson heads up our mission team, and she's done 35 different jobs around here at different times. You know, she's not doing 35 right now, but probably probably seven. Who knows? You know, a bunch. She's a servant of Jesus, God, of our Lord Jesus, most, God Most High. I got, I got my 10 tickets I told you about. Now, Jean instructs me that one of these tickets is for me. Because it's my pass to have steak next Sunday evening at, at uh, 5 o'clock. Now, I didn't say this to Gene, but it crossed my mind. I'm the pastor of the church. And maybe I can come to the steak dinner anyway. And she said, no, one of these tickets is for you. It's your pass. You follow me? So, according to Gene, and she's kind of the boss of this thing out there, so... Uh, I couldn't go to the steak dinner without a pass. Listen, you can't go to God the Father without the name of Jesus. He's your pass. You follow me? He's your pass. You don't get in without the pass. Jesus covered your sins. You don't get to talk to God the Father and have your prayers answered without having a pass. Amen? Jesus is the ticket. And Gene, I'll use one of my tickets to get into the steak dinner next, Friday, next, next Sunday evening. I love Jean. I'm not mad at her. No, I'm not, Jean. I'm really not. <laughs> she was just telling me, one of those is for you. I'm like, okay, I got nine people I can bring. All right. Hey, and I'm the pastor. So now you know, you, get, you better buy. Hey, it's five bucks. Where are you going to get steak or chicken for five bucks? and then get to see if the men win or the women win. We're going to have a little fun with the men and women thing. We're going to do some fun stuff with that. I'm kind of thinking the men might win this one, and I could be wrong, ladies. So I'm hoping we have more men here than than ladies so we can just say, well, I won't say what I'm thinking. I don't think that was of the Lord, so I'll leave that one out, okay? But we're going to have some fun before we come, come have our service at 6.30. It's 5 o'clock next week. Buy your ticket or you can't get in. You need a pass. Jesus is your pass. He's your pass. You follow me? He's your pass. He's how you get in to God in prayer. Listen to this. You go a little further and rephrase your prayers that you acknowledge Jesus' authority and his lordship in your life again and again. Listen, sometimes I'm praying about something and it's so important that I, I'll go ahead and stop right there at the beginning of my prayer or at the middle part of my prayer. And instead of just having Jesus' name at the end of my prayer, I'll go ahead and say, in Jesus' name. Why? Because I already know the Bible says that he agrees with this. This is something I'm coming into agreement with God Almighty. Check this out. I told you last week that God the Father gives us what we need at times and not what we ask for. I've been there, haven't you? He provides what I need. I talked about out of Matthew chapter 7, how we need to ask, we need to seek, and we need to knock, right? And we need, and that when we're faithful, that God says that I'm, not, I'm more than parents of other sorts that are natural birth, that have an evil nature, they want good gifts for their children, and they want, they're not going to give their child a snake if they ask for bread. And he said, how much better is the heavenly Father to give good things to you who ask? 
How much have I gone without because I did not ask? This week you need to ask for a friend, for a neighbor, for a family member to come to Jesus. And then you need to do all you can to try to bring them to our events here at the church. Listen, John Stott, I read it last week, but I'm going to read it to you again before I wrap up, and that's this. He says, so then, if we ask for good things, he grants them. If we ask for things that are not good, either good in themselves or not good for us or others, directly or indirectly, immediately or ultimately, he denies them, and only he knows the difference. See, when I pray, I don't know the mind of God and his, his will about all things. I know what he's opened to me, what he's revealed to me, right? So there are things, and I want to remind you of this passage that's found over in this last chapter of First John chapter 5, and it says these words. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know what he hear, and if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. That's a little different than the other phrases that are in John, aren't they? What's God saying? See, there's things that we need to just pray the scriptures, don't we? God says these things are my will, and I need to come with where my life aligns up with God, and I need to pray according to His will. And if it's his will, the Bible makes it abundantly clear. I, you ask for that and you will receive that, huh? Isn't that an amazing thing? You see, the passage in John is not, Gospel of John is not carte blanche for you to ask anything and then you just receive that. That would not be you being a servant. That would make you God. Lots of people in this day and age, they don't get that one. I am a servant of God Most High. He's the one that's large and in charge, not me. I bow to Him. It's His authority. And when He answers my prayer, I should greatly rejoice. When He gives me what I need, I should greatly rejoice. He's promised to do that. When He gives me what I want, I should rejoice in that because He's the one that decides all things. He does. And we need to understand He's in charge. We are his servants. It makes it a little different in our prayer life that way, doesn't it? What are you going to do between today and next week? The prayer room's waiting for you, and it's not, it's not loaded every hour. I can tell you that. We need more people praying. Now, I know you're saying, well, I can pray in my car. I can pray at home. Sure you can. We're asking you to do this as a joint effort as church, to pray together. And here's what you get to do. On that cross in the prayer room are literally dozens of people that said, I'm tagging these seven people. I am praying for these seven. I'm trying to bring these to our Easter weekend or the Ken Freeman week that we have together. I'm praying for God to move in their lives, and I'm going to attempt to bring them. You get to join them in being an intercessor and a real church member buddy, prayer partner. You get to join them in praying for their needs and the people they have in their life, too. That's where we're church together. We come together and we don't just pray for our own needs. We pray for each other's, don't we? We carry each other's burden. So who are you you going gonna to get signed up and pray? In fact, if you don't sign up and you show up and go to the prayer room, we'll, 
we allow that. If you just show up, you know, if somebody else is in there, you can be in there too. It can happen. We'd love to see that happen. And those two nights, it'll be later. Who are you working on? Who are you praying for? And my goodness, after this morning, you sure better ask in Jesus' name. Amen.